Wouldn't it be amazing to wake up one day, everyone you talked to understood you. If you weren't clear right at first, if there was something they didn't understand, they asked and they made sure they did understand. And after they understood, an even more marvelous thing happened. They agreed with you. They agreed with your point of view. They agreed with your priorities. They agreed that something should be done. And then they actually went and did the thing you wanted them to do. Hi, I'm Linda Ferguson of NLP Canada Training, here with our fifth episode in a series of podcasts on the core skills we teach in our NLP Practitioner course. And our skill for day five of the course is understanding how to set goals and intentions for our communication. It's really important we get this right because what happens when people either aren't clear about what they want from communication or don't have the skills to get what they want from communication is that they don't often see it as a skills thing. They see it as an identity thing. And you might have said to yourself, I'm just not good with these kind of people. I'm just not good in this kind of situation. I just can't get people to get it. I should stick to something I do better. There's nothing more important to a human life than our ability to communicate. There is ample evidence in the research that our happiness is correlated to the quality of our relationships. That when we communicate well, we feel better, we engage more, we are more able to be both meaningful and successful in our goals and in our lives. And so it really matters. There's not a day goes by when you don't communicate with someone In most of those days, you communicate so that somebody else will want to give you a particular kind of feedback or information or share information or go and do something. Most of the time, we want to leap to the end result we want. And when we leap to the end result, we leap to it in terms of how we will feel when we get the result. With communication, it's useful to start with understanding who we want to be when we communicate. This takes us back to that first day of the course. You can always go back and listen to that episode now. It's the episode on mind-body thinking. In NLP, it's called state. And it means that who you are in a given moment is a combination of your physiology, your perceptions, your thoughts, your emotions, all of that together. Some of what you think is conscious and some of what we call thinking happens sort of behind the curtain in your brain. We used to call it the unconscious mind, but it's more useful to understand it as the brain, as an organ that exists to coordinate everything you perceive and think and do 
so that you are more likely to survive, more likely to adapt in useful ways, to make good changes. And so the human being can continue to evolve and to thrive. When we think about communication states, we notice that there is this paradox we need to hold in ourselves in order to be an effective communicator. And the paradox is this, to communicate clearly and well, we need to know what we want. We need to be able to hold a clear intention and to hold on to it and to strategize towards it. At exactly the same time, to communicate well, we need to be open to the experience, the thoughts, the priorities of the person or the people with whom we are communicating. We need to be open to picking up all the different cues about where they're at, where they're going, and how that fits. And for most of us, those feel like two very different states. The state of being focused on an objective, the state of being open and empathetic and compassionate and connected. What we know is that in your brain, if you can take those two ideas and hold the ideas together at the same time, your brain is quite capable of taking those two different neural webs, the one that represents openness and connection, the other that represents focus and intention, and put those together so that some people, when they communicate, are able at one and the same time to be open to the other and focused on getting what they want. So the day starts with observing our own state in times when we have communicated successfully and in building up our ability to access those two very different patterns simultaneously. And it's only when we are in this appropriate state for communicating, this state that is not a matter of either being open or being focused, but of being both the same time, that we're ready to think about what do we want and to build a really compelling intention, an intention that will be so strongly rooted in us that we will have some brain space free to pay attention to the other person. And the way to form a really good intention for communication is to understand that whatever the result is you want, it will have an impact not only on you, but on the other person or the other people. And so to everything we did in the first part of the course, in figuring out what we want to change, in visualizing change, in mental rehearsal, we want to add the dimension of doing all that from the other person's point of view. Not instead of our own point of view, but as a way of really understanding what changes in us when we have somebody else's attention and we are able to guide them to a particular action. 
what changes in them and what changes need to happen in them for them to move into a state where they will take action based on that thing we want? And then how will both of us be impacted by the fact that we are social creatures, that other people will know that this interaction happened, that we communicated, we asked for something, we got it. How will that make the other person look to other people they care about, other people whose views have an impact on their well-being or their ability to do work or their ability to play? This is not hard, but it's complicated. It means being willing to step back for a moment and say, what do I want? Why does it matter for me? What's in it for the other person? What are the drawbacks for the other person? How does this suit my beliefs? How does it fit their beliefs? How does it fit my awareness of where I fit in a greater community And how will it change the way they are viewed in the general community if they follow through? Now, you might think, oh, Linda, how do I have time to do all of this? In language, in consciousness, we have to slow it down to practice. We slow it down in exercises where you can take 20 minutes just thinking about the way you want a particular meeting to go, the way you want a particular conversation to go. Not just what you want at the end of it, but what you want through it. What kind of connection you want, as well as what kind of end result you want. For some things, 20 minutes, it's not a bad investment. For others, the whole activity of interacting might happen in a couple of moments. And you think, should I really, I don't have time to spend that much time thinking through everything. You need to remember what you've learned in the first half of the NLP Prac course, which is that when you condition your brain to think in a certain way, it will take that pattern and apply it behind the scenes of consciousness faster and more reliably the more you have practiced and the more intentionally you have practiced. So it becomes really worthwhile to spend some time on some communications that really matter to you Spend time thinking them through, mentally rehearsing what will happen from your point of view, what will happen from the other person's point of view, what it will cost them to do the thing you want them to do, what benefits they might get from doing the thing you want to do. Figure out where there is some wiggle room about when or how they do this thing, and where do you need absolute precision. Something has to happen exactly when it has to happen. And as you think through all of these specifics, you are building a pattern, you are internalizing a strategy that then can happen much more quickly. Just as taking time to build a state that is both responsive and focused at the same time 
doesn't have to be something you will do before every encounter, but it becomes something that will automatically be accessible to you when communication matters because you've thought about it, you've practiced it, you've evaluated what happened and what you were happy with, what needed to change, you've done it again and practiced again. And there is a buildup. Some of it happens through the day of the course. That's why we'll generally find two or three different ways getting at the same learning about state or about strategy, about intention. And it's also what happens over time as you take your learning back out into your life. Now, the third part is the part that kicks in when you need to be consciously aware of how you are getting a communication result. So most of your communication, like most of your other behaviors, is unconscious. That means you don't think about it and then do it. You just do it. Your brain sends instructions through your body and your body carries them out in a flash and your conscious mind only becomes aware of what you're doing if something unexpected happens or if something goes wrong or if something goes extraordinarily right. But unless there's some sort of dramatic result that calls for your attention, you'll probably never even know what choices you made. Your communication flows from your brain's awareness of your intention and your overall state and the way that state supports that intention. It means you change all kinds of aspects of how you speak or how you communicate without ever really being aware you're doing it. You might change the pace of your voice, the volume, the pitch, the way you move or change pitch, the way you gesture. Most of the time your gestures are going to start before the words they go with. That means you don't have time to think about it. It must just be happening. And of course, You never know what expression is on your face as you either watch somebody else to gauge their reaction to what you want to communicate or as you put out your own ideas. Do you look like you're paying attention? Do you look like your gestures and your tone match the person? that you are with, so that you look like you're dancing, or do you kind of stand out like a sore thumb? And most of this happens without you even thinking about it. If you become aware of all of these nonverbal elements of communication, it's after the fact. It's after you have said something with an expression that made everybody do a double take. This is why we work so hard in NLP at developing and holding and maintaining useful states because we know that state drives behavior. And so it's important to be intentional about not choosing the other words or 
interacting with other people, but first and foremost, with checking in with yourself. Are you relaxed? Are you aware? Are you um, very focused? Are you very open? What's going on in you? And is it what you want to support this activity of communication that requires that you know what you want, but also know what's going on at the other end of the connection? What we call pacing in NLP means meeting someone else where they live. It means demonstrating with everything that's available to you non-verbally that your whole self is paying attention to their whole self. This might mean that you match their posture or their gestures. It might mean that you pick up rhythms in their speech or their movements and pull them into your own body. It might mean that you, your face has the same expression that you're seeing on them. But all this kind of matching and mirroring happens too fast for you to control consciously. It happens automatically when your brain observes somebody else and needs to predict what are they going to do next. So whenever somebody's in your proximity, you're liable to start picking up their gestures, their postures, their rhythms, their voice, tone, and tempo. And as you pick these things up, they are internal to you, and then your brain can match them up with states that are sort of in your repertoire or in your library of states, and decide what state this other person is in, and therefore what kind of choices they are likely to make next. When we do this intentionally, it's not so much to influence the other person as to remind ourselves that communication involves a deliberate awareness of the other, that we're never a good communicator just because we say the right words in the right order, but always because we're aware of the people to whom we are communicating and we are shaping our words and our expressions so that they are meaningful, not just to us, but to those other people. When we think we're kind of in tune, then we have the ability to use the part of the state that is intentional to lead the other person to move with us to a different state or a different understanding or a different action. And we do this best when we do it in small steps. Because, first of all, if you get somebody to take a really big step in one jump, they're liable to have that startle reaction where they're like, whoa, what did I just do? And this isn't helpful if your goal is to get something done. The other thing is that it is always, always possible to back up from a small step. If you lead and they don't follow, it's not a noticeable break in the connection you've been building. And so we practice this sort of dance of pacing and leading that involves, as the communicator, as the person who cares most about what information becomes clear to the other person, what action the other person is motivated to take, as that person 
we spend most of our time observing, listening, matching that person that we want to influence. And only when we are really connected do we remember that it is time to move a small step towards the thing we want. And when that works, when they follow us, when we change our state just a little and their state shifts too, when we introduce new information and they engage with that new information, then we have permission to try again, to add a little bit more. And if at any point permission is withdrawn, we make a change and the other person's body language, voice, words says, I don't think I can go there. We say, oh, excuse me, when we slip back into matching and mirroring. So that the act of communication is mostly the act of gathering attention and permission so that you can inevitably lead through one path or another to the other person, understanding what you have to say, agreeing with what you have to say, and even being motivated to take action based on what you have communicated. I'm Linda Ferguson, NLP Canada Training. Thanks for listening.